0: Welcome back to the World War One podcast. This is Gannon Foley here, graduating senior at Aquinas College, along with Jake Sherman, another senior. This week we're going to be transitioning to a new topic. Last week we took you through some propaganda and anti-German sentiments in the U.S. war effort. We're going to be talking to you today about an interesting topic, hearing loss as a result of the war. Jake's going to give us a little bit of background and we'll jump in. Jake?
1: back-to-back weeks for Gan and I on the podcast. I mean, we're doing the most that we can. Once again, we're not your heroes, but uh, we're doing what we can <laughs> to give you the content that we do. So hearing loss in World War I, a big factor, obviously, as we see the technology just skyrocket in this war in terms of artillery and just long-range guns and just how loud and how huge they can be. Uh, in class, I think this past week, we learned about, right before the uh, Battle of the Somme, The huge TNT and the dynamite that the British exploded underground, underneath uh, the enemy trenches, that just the the crater and that the sound that they heard from London—that's just crazy. But that's not even that's a big part of it. But that's not even tip of the iceberg when it comes to some of these howitzers and other guns. So hearing loss was unfortunately a low priority in this war, as there was lots of diseases and the overall number of fatalities was just too big. So things like hearing loss and other minor disabilities as they would be considered were not a big deal and when times like when you're facing gangrene and when your limbs have to be cut off so soldiers were exposed to up to more than 185 decibels of sound during the war at a given time so just for a a quick clarification that's more sound than a pound of dynamite or tnt exploding 15 feet away and any sound louder than 150 decibels once again there was 185 decibels they were exposed up to would uh would not be recommended at any point. So and more than 150 is not what you wanna hear. And on this scale that I have right here, uh, one thing I have is uh, on a serious injury range here, 120 decibels, is a rock concert from the front row. Gannon, how many con- have you been to any concerts before? I've been any to one, but ones? I was way back. <laughs> way back, way back in the day. Me personally, I think I've been to, I think I've been to two concerts. I've been to I'd one rock and then I had a rap concert, but I wasn't like super close to the front row. And I remember that being like a big deal. That being kind of loud, but just think about like a gun exploding just a couple feet away from me in the trenches. That's just gotta be terrible. And the trenches themselves were definitely very bad for hearing. And exposure to these large amounts of saw, sounds cause bones in the ear to break as well as open the door for infection, which was very, very bad as the sound just kind of, I think there's the three main bones in the ear, they're called the anvil, the hammer, and then the, there's the cochlea too, that's layman's term, that's not the actual names, but that's how I remember them, that's the, the middle school science education right there. <laughs> Breaking those bones just because of loud sounds hitting inside and then you have some damage in your ear that opens the door for infection, that can once again be really bad. And hearing loss in soldiers had been known and recorded since the 16th century, but it, it had not been fully understood or broadcasted to prevent until post-World War II. So unfortunately, there wasn't a whole lot of official uh, evidence that hearing protection was utilized in World War One. So there are some reports of, in the Italian and French armies, I believe, like plasticine uh, wrapped in gauze or different forms like celluloid sometimes being put in the ears. But the celluloid <laughs> would sometimes catch on fire from nearby explosions. So that was, that was very unfortunate as well. Could you imagine the shock of having that
0: happen when you're in the middle of fighting? Yeah, oh
1: like you're not even there. Like you see something hit nearby, but you, you know you're fine and then you just, you look up and your ear's on fire. You gotta check that for sure. And they, they probably like stuffed it, I'm not sure on this, but they probably stuffed it deep in their ears, so. I can imagine. Yeah, that's a lot of damage there. And then this last point that I have is uh, a little interesting as well, malingerers or people that try to fake hearing loss to get off the front lines, to literally fake that they were deaf, was also a problem that a lot of people dealt with in World War One. So, there were a lot of interesting ways to get around this. They would have, like if you were sitting on the table, the doctor would go away for a second and come back, and they would have a tongue depressor, a metal one, and a, and a tin, and they would try to elicit a blink or a reaction from someone like from behind them by like snapping it really hard to surprise them. And then also they would use chloroform to, like, remove a patient's inhibitions to extract a confession from them. And in extreme cases, they would use a chaplain because, obviously, you can't lie to the, you can't lie to the priest. You can't lie to God. He's going to know if you're really faking that you're deaf or not. And that way, if, they were, if you were deemed good enough, you would go back to the front lines. And overall, numbers cannot be totally accurate because some soldiers just considered it to be a normal part of warfare that they would just have extreme hearing loss, which is really unfortunate.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point you bring up, the idea that a lot of the sources that we looked at um, explained that because the war was so drastic due to the violence and the technology, there really weren't accurate numbers that were ever kept to determine how no. many people would have suffered. So really, you know, the sources that we have are academic and they are trustworthy, but we really don't have any kind of an idea for an accurate scope of how many people would have suffered from hearing loss during World War I. Um, another thing that was interesting about the technology was the idea that not only were the guns stronger in this war, but they were also faster, which meant that you weren't just dealing with infrequent large concussions from howitzers, you were dealing with you know thousands, maybe even millions of concussions happening throughout the entire war. Um, one of the studies and uh, sources that we talked about and looked at um, talked about how the French 75 millimeter field gun could cover roughly 10 by 10 acres by 435 yard areas so about the width of a a really large trench it could completely saturate that area with fire in less than 50 seconds so we're talking about these large concussive sounds that can totally rupture an eardrum i mean it could totally destroy an entire trench worth of soldiers eardrums i mean very quickly
1: yeah things happen so fast sound uh Sound doesn't travel as fast as, as, as sight. I, I'm trying to make sure I had that right. But still, it's a very quick reaction of when these you, you turn and you see an explosion and you may not hear it or you may turn and then it hits you. But the, the things are happening very quickly in the, in the trenches. And it may be a couple like minutes and these things are going on. It could be after a barrage of artillery that you turn to realize that you can't hear your soldier next to you or that you can't hear the orders being relayed. And
0: so it's kind of a, a sad part, I think, about the, all this. Pretty scary stuff. Um, another thing that we found in our research was the idea that, I mean, of course, hearing loss was a symptom of shell shock. You know, this is the term that really comes to prevalence in World War I. Um, and I think that specifically related to hearing loss, it's important to talk about shell shock because so many soldiers talked about from experiential you know, accounts, the idea that it wasn't just loud sounds that would hurt the ear. These large field guns and howitzers—they would actually make walls of sound waves that, when they would hit the body, it would concuss the brain. It would actually move the brain within the skull, and in many cases, these soldiers would be concussed. And of course, one of the natural—you um, know—results of this, one of the consequences, is going to be the idea that you know, um, he, um, eardrums are going to be ruptured. And Jake brought up a great point with the idea that infections could potentially happen as well. You know, these walls of sound were in some cases so large as. Uh, jake said you know the fighting on the western front i mean very frequently in london you could hear the very faint sound of these large cannons that could fire you know 20 miles from behind the line and accurately hit their targets um you know that could be heard in london from france i mean it's absolutely crazy stuff and of course you know uh, another pretty interesting fact is the idea that since trench warfare was happening in such close proximity compared to some of the other wars that happened in the 19th century so much of this stuff was saturated, again, in a really tight space that you couldn't help but have these concussive sounds happening rapidly, unceasingly for weeks on ends. And so there, there was no option but to suffer hearing loss. No, no. Um, and from a, a standpoint as far as, like, how armies dealt with this, um, the French army actually had some studies that indicated that um, they had a 10 to 20% increase in quote pensionable ear disabilities due to the war and again since the studies on this aren't exactly accurate or aren't exactly representative of everybody who would have suffered these symptoms it's very likely that that percentage could be higher and that's just within the french army Um, another study that we looked at talked about how again in that french army of that 10 to 20 percent that had hearing loss roughly 80% of those people would have suffered it to a degree that they would not be able to return to the work that they had before the war. So it truly was a debilitating problem that would have happened. I mean, essentially, if you lost your hearing in the war, you were going to be disabled for life.
1: True, true. Very upsetting. Uh, To go back to the scale real quickly on the decibels, so we have grenades at 164 decibels and mortars at 185. Once again, to go back to the scale here, uh, the the 150 through 200 decibels is labeled as the deadly range here, and 150 would be a Formula One car at full throttle. Uh, 170 decibels is a 7,000 horsepower engine, and 109 would be the grenade blast epicenter. All the exposure on this is listed at, as less than an hour per day. This is unfortunate here. At 200 decibels, it says causes immediate death, and we have up to <laughs> 185 decibels. Of sound with a grenade and uh sounds that would regularly be heard during world war one and the difference in, of 10 decibels is, can sometimes be like uh a, a normal office setting versus just being out in public at like a restaurant so just not that much it's very close we're flirting with danger here the so technology it really, really
0: was good at killing as many people as possible just another reason the war was so devastating
1: yeah it's it it's really is uh upsetting stuff and we like to think that acdc and these rock (laughs) concerts are bad it was it was way worse with these howitzers going on next to you and these things are still used today but luckily we have better better hearing protection from that so we do want to thank you to tuning in to this week's podcast and this is all it from gannon and i thanks guys